Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Give all the glory, all the honour to our Lord, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Francis Chan says it this way, Valleys are often the times when we learn to rely on God the most. Because we realise how little control we have of our own lives. Craig Rochelle says, even though we go through valleys in life, but it's how, it's how we recap the dot. (laughs) It's how we react. It's how we react that determines our future. We're all going to go through valleys, but it's how we react in the valleys that will ultimately determine how we come out of that valley to do all that God has for us to do. Can we all stand as we read God's holy word today? Romans 7, 15. Paul says these words, I really don't understand myself for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. (laughs) Instead, I do what I hate. I I want to do what's right, but I can't. I, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I I want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Some believe this is uh, pre-conversion. Others believe it's post-conversion. I just think that's how I think most of the time. (laughs) And I think this is a verse we can open up with today. I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Father, would you help us as we study your word with the valley of addictions? Father, to do what you've called us to do. Give us the strength and the courage to be all that you've called us to be. Father, we can live for you. We can honour you. Those things that are displeasing to you, we can overcome them. Those things that are hurtful to others, we we can overcome. And we can be a blessing to you, God, to your kingdom and to others. That's our goal. It's what we pray for today, to be like Christ, to be sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said... You may be seated. I'm not sure if you can relate to Paul's torment. Uh, I know I can. Whether you've had a bad habit, you can't seem to break. You want to, you try for a season, you're doing great, only to repeat it. You live in this cycle and you can't seem to break it. Maybe it's a very severe habit. Maybe it's just a sort of an annoying habit. When I first started dating Bonnie, we were on our first date and she leans back in the front seat of my Honda Prelude Convertible. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I could beat the Celica and the Mazda RX-7 in my Prelude. And she leans back and she puts her feet on the dash of my car. Like, what are you doing, woman? Everything was great up until that moment. And I said, take your feet off the dash or you can walk. And she said, I'm fine to walk, thank you. So I let her off the car, out of the car. I couldn't call the bluff. And like, I'm driving off in the distance in our first date thinking, what have I just done? This isn't going to plan. Dating never goes to plan. Right, Callum, you don't know where it's gonna lead. I turned around. 
humbled myself. She got back in the car. She still puts her feet on the dash. So you try to break habits and change people, but it's beyond us. But I want to talk about those habits that are destructive today. I want to talk about those habits that are holding us back uh, from all that God wants us to do. You, you may have a habit, you're overeating, you're, you're, you're yelling at the kids and have anger issues, you're watching porn, you're wasting time on your phone, you're, you're lying to your spouse, you're drinking too much, you're gossiping, you're, you're flirting at work, you want to stop, you know you need to stop and you try to stop, but, but this cycle of this addiction keeps coming back. The Apostle Paul struggled, he struggled, but his problem wasn't a lack of desire or a lack of knowledge. Remember, he was trained in the ways of, of, of the Pharisees as he was a young boy. But what he lacked was the power to be set free from these addictions that was on his life. He had the right intention, but the wrong strategy. He was trying to change the wrong way. And it's the same for you and me today. And we're going to unpack what does God's Word say about being set free. We're going to seek answers so that we can be free from addictions. Now, before I continue with God's Word on how to speak into being set free, I also recognise that this is a very complex issue of addictions. And there are multiple areas of addictions that I'm actually, quite frankly, not qualified to speak on. What I can bring is God's Word. I can speak from a spiritual perspective, from the Word of God perspective. But there are practical issues. Maybe you've got a drinking problem and the practical issue is you're, you're working at a pub and there's alcohol everywhere. Or you have a porn problem and the issue is you're alone too often with easy access to the internet. Or you've got a gambling problem and you're playing cards every Friday night with your boys and you probably don't need to be doing that practically. There's also a physical physical issue with our physical bodies. We might not be getting enough sleep or we're not eating well, not exercising. There's a chemical imbalance, mental health issues. You're under too much stress. Then there's upbringing. Your childhood shapes you. Maybe your parents were distant. Your father was angry. You're abused by a family member. There's generational issues that have been passed down. Or maybe it's relational. You're just hanging out with the wrong people because the people you hang around, you will do what they do. But today I want to unpack the spiritual side. I believe this is the most important. Others' areas are valid and important and we have professionals that we can get help. But I want to speak directly to the spiritual aspect of addictions today. So let me explain this. We have a sinful nature. It's called the flesh. And it's, it's, it's always going to be predisposed to doing things that don't please God. We're born with it. And then when we become Christians and we accept Christ to be our Lord and Saviour, our spirit is born again. But we still got our flesh. We still got our stinking thinking. So there's this war that goes on between our flesh nature and our spiritual nature. We want to do the things that are pleasing to God. But we have this flesh, this body that we live in that we have to uh, work through and work with. Romans 7.24. Paul continues on with his cry of pain when he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? From this body that is subject to death. Now this word wretched in the Greek literally means exhaustion of hard labour. 
So Paul is completely worn out and exhausted because of his unsuccessful efforts to please God under the principle of works or the principles of the law. So Paul grew up knowing all the laws of Moses. He was very uh, talented and very uh, equipped and very intellectual and he understood law. And he tried to apply law, which is works, to overcome a spiritual problem, which was the flesh. And as Christians, we can do the same. We can turn to works over grace. We can focus on religion over relationship with Jesus Christ. So what is religion? Religion is a bunch of rules and regulations. Religion is an external act and ceremonies that are achieved through discipline. Religion looks to self and personal performance to succeed. Religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following rules. Religion is trying to please God without God. Religion is powerless to overcome sin and addictions. Then Paul gets it. The light comes on and he says in verse 25, who will rescue me? Remember he's tried to do it all his own way. Maybe you've tried to to overcome your addictions with your own willpower, with your own strength, with positive thoughts. But then he says in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through what? Through, through your goodness, through your hard works, through your ability, uh, you know, through your discipline. No, no, no. Who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, it's interesting that Paul refers to himself 40 times in the previous 10 verses. And then in verse 25, it all changes. You see, previously he was self-focused, self-obsessed, and, and, and he was um, trying to use the law to fix his problem. And finally he gets it. He asks for a who to deliver me rather than a how. And so often we go in the how and we get stuck in this religious law works mentality. So, so how, how are we delivered? We were delivered by a who. And who is Jesus Christ? So firstly, God rescues you by grace. You can write that down. God rescues us by grace. Titus 2.11. For it is the grace of God that has appeared and offers salvation to all people. We are not saved by works, right? We're saved by grace. We can't earn it. We, we can't perform. We are saved by grace. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Grace is enough. What is grace? It's the unmerited favour of God. It's how we're saved. It's a gift. You can't earn it. Now, now we get that, right, when it comes to salvation. Um, we we realise that it's only God that can save us. It's, uh, the opposite is true. We, we can't save ourselves. We, you can't work harder, try harder, check the boxes, follow the rules. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's only by grace. But here's the second thought. This grace that saved you is also the grace that changes you. And so many Christians stop at salvation of grace. Then they go back to works mentality to fix themselves. But grace was designed not only to save you, but to change you. Titus 2.11, For as the grace of God that appeared that offers salvation to all people, we're saved by grace. But verse 12 said, it also teaches us. So this thing called grace enters our life. 
It's not, not a person's name. It's not a person called grace. It's, it's grace that God gives us, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. It's grace that teaches us to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. This Greek word for teaching us is like a parent and a child. It speaks to training and encouraging and correcting and disciplining. Grace is our teacher. Now, God can supernaturally set you free from addiction. I love that. God is a supernatural God. He can heal you. He's miraculous. I know so many stories of people just set free from alcohol or nicotine. God can do that. But so often, God uses grace as a teacher. God uses grace, the unmerited favour to grow you, to sanctify you. It's the grace that teaches us. It's not your strength, but it's the Spirit of God. It's not rules and laws and regulation. It's not grit, hard work. It's God's grace. So how? How does this grace of God change us? All right, you've won me. Sounds good, Miles. Look, come on. I've been dealing with this thing for a long time now. I've tried the whole church thing and I've went, I even went to a life group. You know, I, I, I gave some money, put it in the plate or we don't use the plates anymore. Uh, I, I went to your website. I dropped some coin in there and I've still got this addiction. How does grace change us? Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. What does Jesus say? First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You see, the focus of religion is outward works. But the focus of grace is inward. And what grace does, it starts by working inside of your heart. Because often there is a bigger issue at work than the addiction that you're under. There's something that's not right. There's an imbalance. God's not on the throne. There's a fear and insecurity. There's a deeper root cause that brings the addiction to the light. And what God is saying, it's the grace that works on the inside. If you work on your inside, you work on your heart, then the outside will take care of it. But so often as Christians, we just focus on the outside. We focus on looking good, saying the right things, pretending to have it all together, trying to be holy and righteous. But the inside is what matters to God. And that's where grace does its work. And that's why we need to be full of grace to others. If their outside isn't shining like it should, we need to have grace to them because grace always starts on the inside. So for years, I was addicted to work. I was a workaholic. You might think that's a good addiction because you can make money, but it's actually very destructive. And it came out of a relationship with my father that I didn't know about. Growing up in Northern Beaches, he was a successful businessman. I could never measure up. I can't remember him saying, I love you, hugging me, touching me. I can't remember any form of affection. All I knew is there was a list of jobs. 
And he was Danish, European, and I just had to work my butt off and I could never earn his love. So I struggled with significance that made me drive to perform and it messed me up. I was not present with my marriage. I was distracted. I was always looking for that next performance to try to impress. And I was unhealthy. And one day my boss at work, he said, we value you because of who you are, not what you do. So I was a builder, business guy until 35. Then I jumped into pastoring. And that boss was actually my pastor, uh, my boss that said, this is how messed up I was my first year of pastoring. I was trying to perform and get it all done and, and, and hit the numbers. And, and I heard those words and they just shocked me to the core. You mean I can be valued for who I am, not based just on what I do? But the issue was I really did not have God's grace working in my heart. And it was sort of masked. This is the danger of church. I'll give you a little insight, a little, 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 little tip after 15 years of ministry. The church doesn't automatically think everything's going to be great. You can be in church and distant from God. You can be in church and full of addictions. You can be in church and the grace of God not working in your heart. You can be in church striving after the law, striving after rules and regulations. You can be in church and be messed up. That's why we need the grace of God to do His work inside of our hearts. And when I learned to, to sort of uh, love myself, when I learned that I was valued in who I am, not what I did, when I allowed grace um, to have its way, it took years, it took professional help. But as I allowed to work on the inside of that cup and, and clean that up, I, I, I learned to be more secure and, and, and more comfortable in who God had called me to be. Ephesians 3.16 says, I, I pray that from from his glory from God's glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit the holy spirit wants to work on the inside of you he wants to deal with that unhealth those wrong thinking that wrong motivation so that Christ Jesus may dwell in your heart through faith to dwell means a permanent home Jesus wants to settle in your heart He's more concerned with your heart than He is in what you do for Him. He's more concerned in your affection towards Him than your performance for Him. He's more concerned in, in your love and loving Him and loving yourself than any ministry you'll run or anything you will do. This wasn't about changing behaviour in Ephesians. It was about changing your heart. Because religion always says, try harder, do more. It's all up to you. But grace always says, trust me. Grace says, rely on me. Grace says, I am your answer, not, not yourself. So Paul finally worked it out when he recognised his own limitations. And this is the key in accepting God's grace. You've got to accept your limitations 
and allow your dysfunction and your addiction to trust God more, not less. But so often we get into this cycle of bad actions or bad habits that drives us away from God rather than towards God. When we're in the valley, that's the time when we dig into God like never before. Romans 5.20, the law was brought in so that the trespasses might increase, but where sin increases, grace increases all the more. The law is like a ladder. So if I had a ladder here that goes up to heaven, the law is a ladder that you keep trying to climb, but you never ever get there. What grace does, it removes the ladder. Jesus steps in and picks you up and carries you to where you need to go. So this week we got together with some leaders in our church at Elevation and had an offsite with a psychologist. And I gotta honest, it was a bit weird. It was one of those touchy feely deals. And 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 she said, I want you to look at your hands and find which hand likes you. <laughs> I know, I'm freaking out, man. I'm like, Ugh. I'm paying money for this session. Find which hand likes you. Choose the hand that likes you and put it on your heart. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and so uh, this is weird. Let's all do it. Look at your hands. Look at your hands. Come on, open your hands up. Look at the palm of your hand. Look at your hands. You got your hand? Okay, choose which hand that likes you the most out of the two hands. Put it on your heart and then a slow, rhythmic pat. I know it's crazy, isn't it? It took me a while to get you. But through this session, I realised it was all about learning to show grace to myself. Learning to love myself, because here's what happens when we show grace to ourselves: We then allow the hand of God permission to move in our hearts. See the power there? Well, we can't help ourselves or fix ourselves. And I know this rhythmic padding that the baby has and she was teaching and I'm like, this is all just too much for me. I can't get it. I'm still working it out. But I connected that God's hand wants to be on you because He loves you. He He. He cares about you. He accepts you. And it's His grace that when we learn to receive that grace, because most of us don't, it's easy to love others, hard to love ourselves. But when we have that grace and concept of the unmerited favour of God, we can't earn it. It's not our ability. Suddenly this door gets opened for God to move in your life. Why? Because you know you can't do it and you ask for help. And help comes from God and others. I don't know where you're at with your addictions. I don't know where you're at with this thing of grace. I don't know where you're at with this thing of the law and religion. But I want to challenge all of us as a church. I want us to be healthy from the inside out. I want us to understand grace, the unmerited favour of God, is what brings change and what sets us free. It's not our works. It's not our ability. As the keys come and the musicians come and we, we, we seek God together, I, I want you to understand this. A.W. Tozer says, Confession is not telling God what He doesn't know. 
but telling him what he what we know about ourselves. We all have areas in our life that are dysfunctional. We all have addictions. The key is understanding God's grace is accepting that we love ourselves and God loves us. And that allows us to say we are weak, but He is strong. Paul said it, in my weakness, I become strong. Because we cannot fix it ourselves. The grace is the vehicle that allows us God to work on the inside of our heart because we learn to love ourselves and we accept the love that God has. And when you're in that place of grace, there's a place of security that comes that allows you to say, God, I need you. God, help me. It allows you to say, God, I need others. Would you help me? Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. To confess means you've got to be full of grace on the inside. It means you've got to be okay that God loves you just as who you are. Grace gives you the courage to ask for help. Kay Warren said it this way, that the first step towards recovery is admitting you have a problem. By the way, if two or three people think you've got a problem, you've got a problem. And this means breaking the silence and admitting your challenges to others. With my addiction that honestly drove me away from my wife because I just wasn't present, wasn't healthy, just a mess. And I was pastoring my first year. But when I understood that God's grace wanted to do a work inside of me, that allowed me to become self-aware. The key to change begins with self-aware. We can't be saved if we don't think we're a sinner. We can't be healed from addiction if we don't think we have an addiction. So I went and, and told Bonnie and she said, yeah, I knew that all along. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I tried. <laughs> and then I got some help with a psychologist and got a mentor and still today work on this issue. But grace is allowing God in and allowing others in. But it starts with you admitting that you need help. I don't know where you're at today, but I know that God wants to set you free. That, that, that thing that's been holding you for years, oh, you've just, just tried everything possible today by the grace, the unmerited favour of God we can be free. What's your next step? Admit you've got a problem. Admit to yourself. And then tell someone. Tell God. Find someone who's safe. Confess. Get it out. You know, sin flourishes in darkness. But in the light, 
it's destroyed. With every eye closed, head bowed, don't, don't live under the law. Don't, don't live under religion. Don't live as a taskmaster that you'll never please. Live in grace. The grace allows you to recognise your weakness. God, I'm weak. I need you. I can't do this without you. I, I don't have what it takes. God, I got issues. I got problems. Would you, would you move in my life? I need your help, God. And grace allows you to talk to someone, to confess, and get some help. In your weakness, you're made strong. Because in your weakness, God allows God to move by His power, by His Spirit, and through others. Father, I want us to be a church. We show grace to others. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know the struggles. So often we're quick to judge, to point out, forgive us, God. Let us be a church that's full of love and grace. Spirit out, God. The grace of God is enough because that leads us to salvation and it leads us to healing. Wow, we don't deserve it, but Father, we accept it today. You're beautiful. You're loving grace. With eyes closed and heads bowed, maybe you, you don't know Christ. You've never accepted this thing called grace. That's the gospel that we're born with sin. And everyone in the world tries to earn their way to heaven. But the difference with our religion, Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ is the difference. That no religion can save you. Only Jesus Christ can. And it starts with accepting the unmerited favour of God that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to forgive you, to save you. When you admit you've got a problem, then God can move and heal you. And maybe that's why you're here today. To accept the grace of Jesus Christ, you can be saved. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, I, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. I want to be born again. I'm in this place for this reason, for such a time as this, that grace would rescue you, that grace would step into your life and save you, that grace would heal you. Because without grace, we're doomed to hell. Without grace, we can never earn our way up that ladder. Without grace, it's over. We desperately need grace so we can be forgiven and changed. But then we also need grace to sanctify us and purify us.